Our reading today is from Romans chapter 6. For the first five chapters of Romans, Paul has been building a case for both why we need our relationship to be set right with God and how we can have our relationship set right with God. To do that, in the first three chapters, you, you remember, Paul was laying out in convincing detail that every human um, being before God has sinned and as a result stands condemned before God. And that led him at the end of chapter 3, though, to introduce the good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ and how Jesus has been put forward as the propitiation for our sins, meaning he has taken away the wrath of God against repentant um, and believing sinners through his death on the cross. In chapter 4, Paul laid out how it is that we receive the benefit of Jesus' death through faith, using Abraham as the great example. In the last chapter, in chapter 5, Paul began to explore some of the benefits that we now enjoy because of our being justified through faith in Jesus. We now have peace with God. We have been fully and completely reconciled to him. We are no longer enemies. Now, here in chapter 6, Paul begins to fully and completely uh, answer the question that might naturally arise, what now? How are we to live having been forgiven and having been reconciled to God. Let's explore some of what Paul has to say on the issue here. One uh, truth that we find in it is grace brings responsibility and obligation. So Paul begins the chapter with a question. He's asking it for the purpose of his argument. He's anticipating an objection that a Jew might have to what he said up to this point. A Jew might consider all that Paul has been saying up to now and say, well, if I'm a sinner just like a Gentile, and God is more glorified because Jesus died for me while I was still an, an enemy and a sinner, then why wouldn't I just keep on sinning so that he will receive more and more glory? Hence, Paul phrases the objection, saying, verse 1, Are we to continue in sin so that grace may abound? That is the objection that this chapter will begin to tackle. If you read the chapter carefully and thoughtfully, it's a pretty clear it's pretty clear that Paul's argument is that grace the grace that we've been uh, given through Jesus Christ brings with it a great deal of responsibility and obligation to us as Dietrich Bonhoeffer once put it grace is free but not cheap it's free to us but it costs Jesus Christ his life while it's free to us it was costly to him Therefore, he concludes, what cost him much cannot be cheap to us. It brings with it responsibility on our part. It is those responsibilities that Paul here sets forth. He here begins to teach the difference between justification and sanctification. So let's think about that, the difference between justification and sanctification. What ought to be clear um, is what justification is at this point in our conversation. If you've been uh, keeping up in your reading of Romans and in these podcasts, you'll know what Paul has been talking about uh, when he's mentioned justification for about two and a half chapters now. Justification is something that legally happens to us when we repent and trust in Christ. At that moment, we are legally not guilty and legally righteous before the judgment seat of God. Justification is the legal pronouncement that God declares over us that we are no longer guilty, but now righteous in his sight. 
Sanctification, on the other hand, is the truth that God is now making us to be practically in our lives what he has already declared us to be uh, before his judgment seat. In justification, he declared us to be righteous on the basis of what Jesus has done. Now, in sanctification, he begins the process of making us to be righteous after the image of Christ. In this sense, justification happens in an instant, while sanctification happens over a lifetime. And notice the emphasis Paul gives to this uh, in this chapter. He, commend, he commands us to walk in newness of life, verse 4. Verse 6, we are no longer to be enslaved to sin. Verse 11 says, you must consider yourselves dead to sin and alive to God in Christ Jesus. We're not to, and according to verse 12, we're not to let sin reign in us, and on and on it goes. Furthermore, Paul emphasizes additionally the daily choices we must make with regard to sanctification. Yes, it is true that God is absolutely sovereign over our lives and our sanctification. Yes, Paul did pray uh, for the Thessalonians in 1 Thessalonians 5.23, May the God of peace himself sanctify you completely. And that is true. God is the one who sanctifies us. But that does not mean that God does that in us by simply zapping us apart from our own daily decisions. Notice the intentionality that Paul describes in verse 13. He says, do not present your members to sin as instruments for unrighteousness, but present yourselves to God as those who have been brought from death to life and your members to God as instruments for righteousness. We have to make a choice each day, every moment of each day, to whom we will present ourselves. Now, uh, when we do make that choice, to, to present ourselves to God that day for righteousness and for his purposes, we know that that was God's grace that did that in us. But to us, in real time, it feels like a, an actual daily decision. And indeed it is. Are we going to present ourselves to sin or to God? That is sanctification. It is daily choosing. Now that we have been declared righteous in the sight of God in justification, um, now we live in, in humble and intentional obedience to the Lord in sanctification. God doesn't save us just to free us from future punishment, but to instill in us present holiness. Thirdly and finally from this chapter, toward the end of the chapter, Paul reminds the believers in Rome of their former way of life when in verse 21 he asks them, what fruit were you getting at that time from the things of which you are now ashamed. In other words, was there any benefit at all to your old way of life before Christ if in the end uh, you would stand condemned before God? That's the question. But the phrase in that question that stood out to me was how he mentioned that their former way of life uh, was about, as he put it, things of which you are now ashamed. That's a phrase worth meditating on. Sometimes we can be so worldly that we have lost our ability to blush over things we should be ashamed of. Sometimes our present lives in Christ bear a shameful resemblance to our former lives before Christ, but we don't feel any shame over it. We have to cultivate uh, in our own hearts a tenderness that will cause us to feel shame in things that we should feel shame over. <laughs> and, and, and how do we do that? It begins by immersing yourself in Scripture so that you are immersing yourself in the knowledge 
of God's will. When you do that, the Holy Spirit can take that knowledge and help you evaluate your daily um, thoughts and actions. Through this, you will increasingly feel shame over things you ought not to do and increasingly feel joy in the things we should do that are pleasing to the Lord. Those are some thoughts from Romans chapter 6.